Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the Soul Shack tonight on a frigid Bowling Green evening. On my right, it's Connor Raymer. Connie, how are you, bro? I'm going to do my best uh, Markham impression. I'm just going to get it out of the way. Hello, Joshy. That was actually pretty good. You like that? I said it sounded like when you were kind of practicing this before we hit record, like someone doing an impersonation of the Joker. You can't let people know I've been practicing this. It <laughs> makes then, it seem worse. And then, and then while well, we were laughing about Addy uh, doing his impersonation of the Joker. Yeah. Which, I'm the Joker, baby. At no point. At no point. I don't even know where he got that line from. I've never. He just made it up. Yeah. He just got it from his maniac brain. It's the twisted mind of old McMarkham. And uh, yeah, so... That was his legendary uh, version of the Joker, and that's what it made me think of. So, Connie, we're glad to have you in the shack tonight. We've got a really fun episode in the back half. I'm going to be joined by Joey the Tooth to break down some early looks at some NFL draft prospects. Connie, it's never too early to for it to be draft season. Especially for Colts fans. Especially for Colts fans, since we don't have a first-round pick. That yep. is awesome and so much fun. But we're going to talk to Joey in the back half of the episode. This uh, first half, we're going to hit some of the news. Some big news items came down today. We're going to do a little um, conference championship preview and division round recap. And uh, just a a fun little news-filled seggy here for you all at the top of the show with Connie. Uh, Bobby and Addie are both on the short-term IR with illness. We are hoping to have them back Hopefully next week we've got a fun Dynasty Buy, Sell, Hold episode for y'all, so look forward to that. But tonight, before we get into the episode, I wanted to mention tonight's intro music. We've been having Sugar Daisy on the pod, as you know, Connie, uh, big fans of their work. But this is actually music from a very talented colleague and friend of mine, Donnie McLowan. Now, Donnie is a great dude. Talented singer-songwriter. That was his song called Aperture, which is one of the singles you can find on his Spotify uh, profile. We'll drop the link whenever we share the episode on Twitter later tomorrow. So look out for that. But uh, he's dropped a couple singles over on Spotify. He's got an album out right now called Western Signs. And he's going to be dropping some singles off of his new album throughout the rest of 2022 so make sure you give donnie a follow over on spotify great dude really good music we'll actually be going out of tonight's episode with one of his other songs in the winter which connie that is a very appropriate song for the weather that we're having in Bowling Green tonight, which is about 25 degrees at the moment. Yeah, we're, we are truly sacrificing putting our bodies on the line, and the listeners should know, we, we are playing through the playoff pain for you all out in the shack right now, but it's a, it's a sacrifice we're happy to make. But, yeah, it's, it's freezing. It's uh, probably, what, 20 degrees? In the shack, it says that it's 60 on the heater, but I don't I don't believe the heater. No, I think it's 60 been. right there in front of the heater. It did just jump to 62 as soon as you said that, so it heard it's, you. It's trying to. heard you talking. It's I was like, all right. Impress me. All right, bet. I love it. So, uh, yeah, Lambeau Field, snow, like negative two degree wind chill, that's nothing. What what we play through, the pain that we have to endure for the, the IDP show is um, – we do it. We do it for the listeners. We do it because we love them, Connie. Do it with a smile on our face. We love you all. As Connor grimaces through the pain of having to sit here in 20-degree weather. But fun show for you guys tonight. Like I mentioned, 
some news came down right before we came out to record uh, from New Orleans, Connie. So let's start there. Sean Payton, soon to be portrayed by Kevin James in a Netflix movie. I don't know if you all knew this, but go check out uh, the trailer for his Netflix movie, which is about the time that he was suspended and apparently went to coach his son's football team. So didn't know this was a thing. Not going to watch the movie, but I'm very curious to see how it gets just shredded to pieces on Rotten Tomatoes. But Sean Payton, Kevin James, if you will, stepping away from the Saints. He said today in his rambling press conference that retirement is not the right word, but he doesn't plan on coaching in 2022. So, Connie, two questions for you. First, what will you remember most about Sean Payton's run with the Saints? Second, what the hell is this team going to do? They're 73.7 million dollars over the cap for 2022. I, I saw a funny Twitter analogy before I answer your question. And it was said that, uh, it was basically somebody like wrecking an Airbnb with your boys. That was Robert just, Mays. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, it was hilarious. I don't, I'm just horribly paraphrasing right now, but Bur- burning down the Airbnb and then just piecing out <laughs> and leaving them to, you know, pay the damage. Yeah. Just leaving him, leaving him amongst the wreckage. Um, so to answer your questions, what what would I remember most? I think you know the answer to that. So I'm glad to just go ahead and just open up lots of pain uh, from current times. Oh, you're going there? Okay. What the hell else would it be? With I was Sean thinking Payton, of uh, Bounty, Bounty Gate. Bounty Gate. Yeah. Here's the thing, because which is more Greg Williams than it is probably Sean Payton. He knew. He had to know. You know how these head coaches are, and any of them that claim ignorance. I mean, we had the same thing with Rick Pitino. Everybody in Kentucky wanted to believe Rick Pitino would never know what was you know, happen in, uh, in Patino Hall, you know, named after his brother who died his during brother 9/11. died in 9-11 where they were running, you know, stripper orgies. I don't know if we're allowed to say orgies on here, but Absolutely I've said it like two or three orgies. times now. So it happened. These coaches know. So they either, here's the thing. They either know and they cover it up or they're ignorant of it, which just shows a complete bad leadership. Yeah. Bad, bad leadership. No bad doofuses, oversight. right? Yeah. No doofuses. That's, we have a strict, no doofus policy. So, it's either you're a bad guy and you put on a, a good face to the public. And I hate saying all this because Sean Payton seems like like just a great guy to go like play golf with or get beers with. He's a fraternity brother, uh, the fraternity I am, so he's like one of the famous alumni. So is Drew Brees. That which explains makes, so much. Which makes that memory so much more painful because... They really stabbed you in the back. Yeah, like right as I went to college was 2010, so it was right after that, and that's what they were all talking about. Is, Look at these famous alumni we have. We have Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and I'm like... There's just a twist of the knife as yeah, you were tapping the keg. Yeah, it's... Uh, but that's the, that's the thing I'll remember most. And to be frank, I'm like you. The, the bounty gate to me... Crush the head and the body will die. Is that right. right? That was the that was the quote. That's so like chilling. Not to sound like a total pee here. And they were going after Brett Favre. Have you heard about pushing pee? You know about that? Is this more? Uh, is this Gen Z lingo yeah. with Connie? Put this in the. Uh, you get a lot of the Zoomers that listen to this. I don't know. I hope not. I, the, the, I believe the metrics say no. Okay, never so, mind uh, then. Well, go ahead and give it to me because I, I do want. I, I don't do really know what it work means. Work with some Zoomers. So yeah, just throw that out there. It means like it's good. Pushing the P? Pushing P, not pushing the P. Pushing P. It just sounds like I'm trying not to pee my pants in the middle of like it, a Zoom call. I don't even think you had to say pushing P. This is this is two thirty plus year old white guys talking about the uh, Zoomer lingo. This uh, sounds in a like shed drug in Kentucky. Lingo. I'm gonna look it up and if you all know what it is, but it's a big thing. 
Uh, I believe it's push and pee. Um, is is and I know it does sound like you're peeing your pants. Well, but. apparently it's a song by uh, oh there's an there's an artist push and pee. Uh, push and pee means uh, oh man player. That's what the P and push and P means, but I believe that's in reference to the artist. Um, so yeah, I'm coming up short here. Oh no, push and P that's P that's another, I mean, that's the better way of putting it. Like that's P basically means like push and P that's P like, it's a good thing. So somebody's doing a good thing. That is, you'll see that all over Twitter here soon, but pushing the lifestyle of a player, a real one, or putting your people in a position is push and P this is according to urban dictionary. So Usually those are just horrifically awful definitions of uh, popular phrases. But, um, yeah, okay. So getting Look, there, back to the deflate gate point. There's a complex article we can link as well. And it's, it what talks, that's what you'll see. That you'll see the emoji on Twitter. So, like, um, this isn't just totally just made up delusional Connie. Um, Connie, uh, you're too deep in the dark web sometimes. Look, it's on there. It's shout out Gunna. Um I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of good. Like, look, this Super Bowl win was massive for the city of New Orleans, and I love New Orleans. New Orleans is is awesome. I mean, everybody's been down there and had a great time. So yeah, I was glad for them post-Katrina to, like, have that success. I hate that it was at our expense. Um, but he deserves to be made fun of as Kevin James and retire, and he's going to go to the Cowboys. So Yeah, we all know where that's this what, is leading. That's where this is going. It's leading to the Cowboys trading for Sean Payton because he's actually under contract, similar to Andrew Luck. He is under contract with the New Orleans Saints for the next three years. Really? So if the Cowboys want him, say, for 2023, when they lose in the wild card round again in heartbreaking fashion, <laughs> they'd have to trade for Sean Payton from the Saints. How heavy is Zeke in that game? I mean, he's like Zeke's 265. Pro- yeah, he's pushing like uh, he's pushing P. Yeah, he's pushing P. He's like, wh- what is? They have extra lineman on the field. What's going on here? <laughs> Didn't know lineman could be number twenty one. We have derailed. So the Saints in twenty twenty two. I mean, I think they are majorly effed. The salary cap, uh, salary cap for the most part is not real, but you push it to the limits that they have, almost seventy five million dollars over the cap. They're going to have to make some tough cuts. I think Slant Boy's out of there. I think you could see uh, Taysom Hill, you know, Sean Payton's favorite QB play thing on the way out. Slant Boy is such a ridiculous name. It's just so, uh, like, unfair to him, I think. So, uh, I think, yeah, you'll see some players, some tough cuts being made. There's a lot of kind of high-priced veteran guys there. So, I think the Saints are... You know, they pushed money into the future and pushed pain down the road, and I think that pain's going to come due in 2022. Yeah, it's um, it's dark days ahead of them. The The NFC landscape is changing dramatically. I mean, Breeze has obviously been gone, but now that Peyton's gone, that's going to be just a total end of an era. Um, and obviously there's some other folks we're going to be talking about here soon that could also be leaving from the NFC. So good riddance. Get out of here, Sean Payton. I know you'll be back here soon coaching the Cowboys. Give Mike McCarthy, it's, what, another year? I mean, I would have fired him already. And that's what I don't understand is that, like, I know you said the salary cap isn't real. Money in general is not real to Jerry Jones. Have you seen his yacht? If he wants you to coach his football team, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, outside of Elon Musk, like, he can basically just buy his way to anything. It's pride, though. I think he wants to a little bit, there's a sunk cost fallacy going on of, like, I I hired this guy. I don't know. I don't even know how many 
interviews they did with head coaching candidates when McCarthy was up for the job. It seemed like this was his hand-picked guy. This is the dude he thought could get them over the hump. And so far, it's gone fine. Like, it's not an abject failure. He's not an awful coach. Yeah. But he's absolutely a coach that is going to hold you back rather than push you to another level like we see a lot of these, like Shanahan, McVay, Andy Reid, like a lot of these coaches that have had playoff success. What your job is as a coach is to get your players ready to play. That means a lot of things. Well-prepared, you know, at the right level, kind of emotionally making sure their head's right as they go into the game, but then giving your team every advantage that you possibly can. If you're a play caller, that means calling the right plays. It's game management, all that kind of stuff that happens, you know, on the sidelines. You need to be able to give your team an advantage, and McCarthy doesn't do that. And Sean Payton has done that for a decade plus in New Orleans. So if I were Jerry Jones, I would pick up the phone, I'd call Mickey Loomis, and I'd say, what's it going to take to get Sean Payton over here to the Cowboys? Back channel it a little bit. Mike McCarthy doesn't need to know that his ass is on the chopping block, but who cares? I'd absolutely be Jerry Jones. Yeah, I'd absolutely be making a run. You've got a really good team. Imagine that team with a brilliant offensive mind like Sean Payton, who has consistently had those New Orleans Saints teams overperforming. Even when Drew Brees had the, you know, Peyton Manning noodle arm. Oh, yeah. They were seriously competitive. So you mentioned, though, Connie, uh, another member of the NFC South that could be retiring. Do you think Tom Terrific is about to hang it up? No. No, he'll never retire. He's the Terminator. He'll tease it like this. And I told I told Becca, the only thing I can see is being a – yeah, I, I do have three kids, so but they're younger, so I'm around them all the time. But he's getting to the point that I'm sure his kids, if they're in any type of out-of-school involvement or just wanting to do stuff as a family, I mean, Brady's commitment to excellence is what has made him so good. I mean, that's a 70- to 80-hour-week job minimum you know, during slow times, and then he's probably doing 100-plus-hour weeks, you know, six to eight months a year. So they have all the money. He has all the accolades. Um, I think he'll go one more year uh, just to to make sure there's not that that last ring he can sneak in because I think he wants to go out on top, and I think he wants to break a few more records. Um, So you see him talking about all this, but... I wish it were true. I just think there's one more season. Bruce Arians has already said he's coming back. Yeah. And that to me says that they, him and Brady have already talked because I, I just have a feeling that Arians will probably want to ride off into the sunset with Tom Brady. I don't think he wants to oversee a rebuild uh, with uh, Kyle Trask or whoever it is that they have in the building as the backup quarterback. I think that Bruce and Tom have talked. I think that's why B.A. is so confident in coming out and saying, I will be the coach of the Bucks in 2022. I think Tom is probably feeling his age right now after getting sacked yeah. three times by the Los Angeles Rams in that game. Dude got beat up. He was bleeding. There was that shot where the sun was streaming into his face and his lip was bloodied where it's like, oh, this dude looks... 44 or 43 or however old he is. I saw gray hair on the back of his head when yeah. he was sitting on the bench. 
and he was bleeding. I just loved it. Yeah, it was like that. I I don't think for as psychotic of a competitor as Tom Brady is, I don't think that's the last image that he wants us to have of him as he rides off into the sunset. So I agree with you. I think right now he's in his feelings. He's kind of exploring a little bit this space of like, what does this feel like to really contemplate and seriously think about retirement? But at the end of the day, I think he'll come back for one more year. They'll make one more go at this and uh, see where they are after next season. But uh, I can't really picture it going longer than, uh, you know, one more year. Age will dictate both of those scenarios to tie back into the Cowboys and Brady and the Bucks, because I think Jerry Jones is going to step in. He's older, and he knows his team has some older players, but a really good young nucleus. But again, a team's window is only so long, and the NFC is about to ease up just a hair with the exception of a few teams, especially if Tom does step away. So I think the Cowboys' decision, Jerry knows, like, He'd love to have 20 more years. He probably doesn't have. He's probably got a handful of more competitive years in his lifetime. And guys like him would sell their soul to get another Super Bowl ring. Um, And Tom's decision, likewise, will be made. He says it's not due to age. He doesn't want to admit that that Superman is feeling it. But it's like you said, you you could tell. Um, He's going to say it's Giselle and family and i'm sure it is it's I'm sure a that's huge part of it. commitment but giselle is i think also on record as saying she wanted tom to retire in 2017 yeah that's been going on that's so like five maybe, years ago yeah maybe he's just pushed his luck and i'm um, you know i'm sure he's glad he has because look what he has to show for it but again she's rich you're rich your family's rich you've had all the success in the you world have nothing left to prove yeah everyone but, knows you're the greatest of all time you've got every a ring for every finger you've done it in two different conferences now He's top five, there's no doubt. He is definitely top 50. He should be on that top 100 show that they do. Suck it, Tom. Time to retire, baby. Woo! So we'll keep the camera on you for this one, Connie. Jim Ursay continues to subtweet Carson Wentz. So the question is, uh, the latest one was like he, um, he tweeted something about, as you can see from this weekend's game, you have to have you know, a, a defense that can keep the team, the opposing team under 17 points or under 20 points and a quarterback who can lead a high-powered offense. And an offense that can score 30 or more during yes. regulation. It was a very specific, and I'm like, is there any way to look at that metric and see, like, how many times how the Colts often score over 30 points this season? Well, like, where are you, where are you, that, that would be a tough one to look at. And it was a handful, you know, but a handful of them were losses as well, so... But, like, where are you drawing that metric from? Like, and I know he will sometimes just go on there and romanticize his football championship ambitions on Twitter with ramblings. And, but if you don't think there, there is massive amounts of smoke that Wentz is not going to be there, he was not in the season ticket holders, got their calendars in the mail yesterday. He's not in any of them. I'm telling you, this is just. That that ending to that season was such a bitter pill to swallow that I really do believe that Ursay took a look at this team. They have hard knocks. They have all this hype. They're one of the most talked about teams going into the last month of the season. And to fall short when you have two cracks at the pinata and just to whiff both times, just shit all in the bed. And, Excuse my language. And and the last one is when there are literal clown suits 
in Jacksonville. Fans wearing clown suits because they hate their franchise so much. I hadn't been on since the game, have I? I don't think so. Dude, it's, I, haven't, I haven't really talked to anybody about the game. It's, it's just too much to unpack. And I hope that Ursay has heard those fans because, like, I'm one person, but I have been a diehard, never missed a game, gone to training camps, go to games, buy all the gears. My kids are in the jerseys. You know, we live, breathe, and die Colts football when it comes to just our sports fandom side of life. And that was just, that was just disgusting. Just, and there's going to be a oh, reckoning for, for Adam Redger, Adam Redger text on the show. I was like, we've, we've gotten your thoughts, but it was not from you in person. Yeah. Sorry, continue. There's going to no. be a reckoning. Yeah, there will be a reckoning for Chris Ballard and uh, and Frank Reich if they don't get their shit together, too. Sorry for my language again. But we have a lot of beeping going on tonight. We don't but have a beep button. You don't have a beep button? No. Let's add that in. Um, but, okay, so the tweet I saw today that I thought was funny, I think it was from C.D. Carter. He said, I can't wait to watch the Colts trade five first-round picks and Jonathan Taylor for Russell Wilson. So... What is the solution? Where do we go from here if Ursay is just so pissed at Wentz that Ballard and Reich are going to feel this pressure to move on? And I'll, I'll tell you when I think things broke for Ursay with Wentz was the whole vaccinated, yep. unvaccinated thing. I think once it became a big storyline that Wentz was not going to get vaccinated, Ursay just took one look at him and said, I'm doing everything I can for this team to be successful. That was the lifeline video that he had the big ramble on. Did you see it? The helicopter and the, no, did you see this? I don't, I tend not to watch Ursay videos because they are such just <laughs> rambling nightmares. But, um, I just think that's when it, that's when that relationship fractured and him playing so poorly spraining both the ankles, having the foot surgery. It was such a turbulent start to the season. I think things smoothed out a little bit as the season went along. But I think when we had that collapse and Wentz played so poorly down the stretch that I really do think that as we get closer to the draft and as we get closer to free agency and the start of training camp and mini camp, I think this drumbeat is only going to continue to get louder and louder. Yeah, the and I won't read it word for word, but Ursay was on his on his PJ last night, which is just such a flex. I love when he does that. He does a video in front of it or on it. And it's like, where are you going? You just just flying around, just gonna go to the one of the cities for the AFC or NFC championship. He's just gonna go to Paris and get dinner. That is just so sick. But he posted a video. This was like maybe today at some point. A few things he said. While others fret, worry, and toss in bed, we prepare in the dark night and ready, Ursay wrote, making plans to conquer. Then he released a video today talking about there was a flood, and he's just telling this made-up story. And, you know, the man wouldn't leave his house, and they sent a police car for him. He sent him away. God will save me. And then the flood got higher, and he went upstairs, and they sent a, a boat. And he said, no, God will save me. And it got higher, and he went to the roof. They sent a, a helicopter and dropped a rope to him. He said, no, God will save me. And he died, and he went to heaven, and he went up to God mad and said, what happened? I trusted you, put all my faith in you, and God said, I sent a car, a boat, and a helicopter, 
and you denied all of it. Wait, so Ursay shared this in the video? This or? is him telling the story today. This is incredible. So like, this is I, such an, like this, an old man Ursay yes. kind of thing. He's letting it be known. Like, and I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Derek Carr. And if it's, I, I don't want. I think Carr would be an upgrade. I, that's the that is the, and we have to keep going with like, why can't we get one normal looking quarterback? What is going on? Like, we don't have to have a Jimmy G hottie. I mean, Phil like Rivers our, was fine, but yeah, yeah Carson Wentz is super ugly. Not got a lot going on. We Andrew had, Luck, obviously the bridge Yikes. troll with Luck, and now Carr with the guy liner. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Even though Ali said that Derek Carr was hot, and I was almost like offended. <laughs> By that comment, so I know you're listening, babe. You need to just, it was when we were at the game because we went to Raiders Colts. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, Derek Carr's kind of handsome. I'm like, you are on bath salts. There's no way. That is that is a tough scene. So is is that the realistic option that you think Colts fans could actually look forward to this offseason? What I can say is with all the subtweeting that you've seen, Something will happen, and I know for a fact, and Josh can tell you this, anybody that watches and keeps up, Jim Ursay loves the Colts. It, it's not just a thing to own. A, he loves it. It's he's, all he's, he's ever like done. Jerry Jones. He is. He's, his whole he's, life is the Colts. It's all he's ever done. He was the towboy when his, his father, Robert Ursay, owned it and was a drunk and maniacal. And, and you could see that on Hard Knocks. Yes. They show Jim Ursay's history with the team. He loves the team. And say what you will, people made all the crude jokes about his struggles with everything and how... He goes on there and rants and raves and he'll have these Jekyll and Hyde moments and on he's Twitter. Sixty-two years old. Yeah, and he's, he's really got some city miles on him. Yeah, he's got some city miles, but he's leveled off and his expectations are clear on what he expects. So he keeps saying, "I'm all in." The chips on the table, the flood story. You know, others worry in the night. We're making actions. That sounds like you're promoting the new Batman movie. Yeah, like is Jim Ursay promoting the new Batman movie? You're not just trying to keep the spotlight on you as a team out of the playoffs. Like it's very clear what's going on. I hope it's not Derek Carr. I really, really, I'd rather just keep Wentz and get a lot of weapons. That way, if it fails with him, you're you're good bait for another quarterback. But I I hope honestly, my number one option would be Russell Wilson. Uh, I'd love to see if you could work something out uh, with them. Three I mean, first round picks. Make well, that trade? I would. And if, heck, even, I would if, they, too. even if they wanted to have Wentz. Name, name your price. Because think about, okay, let's look at the Stafford trade. If that's a comp, and Wilson's obviously going to demand more than Stafford. But if Stafford goes and wins one, then, okay, you've got a comp with a guy with one ring and a guy with one ring, right? Russell has one? Russell has one, yes. So, Almost had two. You know, not to say they're exact same for same, but Stafford's no chump, and I hope he gets a ring or gets a shot at it against probably Mahomes. Um, but... You know, either way, it's you have to have a guy like that. So if you have three firsts, that's fine. If it's two firsts and Wentz, or if you just have to cut Wentz because you can't find a trade partner. I, I don't care what the cost is. But if just that's do realistic, it. do it. Just do it. Because you know Russell Wilson is one of the guys. It he is. tailed off this year, but he was injured. Well, you think about it. The Wisconsin connection with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Frank Reich and him, he is very similar in Wentz in terms of big faith, outspoken guy, just like Reich. Coach, head coach is a quarterback, so for quarterbacks that are very much into that position, I think they'd like going to play for Reich. You play indoors. Now going to the AFC, I'm, you know, good Lord, do you want to come play in the AFC? That's AFC's the biggest thing. AFC pretty loaded with young quarterbacks now. Yeah, so there's a lot to consider. Rodgers would be next. Probably keep Wentz third and get loaded weapons, um, and then maybe Derek Carr 
Carr would probably be my option. I would probably put him second. I just don't want Rodgers and all the weirdness that comes with that situation. Russell Wilson, also Aaron Rodgers is like 38. So whatever you'd have to trade for him, maybe you get two more years. And I don't think he's going anywhere. I think the Packers uh, are going to offer him a fully guaranteed top-of-the-market deal to keep him in Green Bay. Maybe two more seasons. But I think the Russell Wilson stuff is real. You shared a video of like him keeping his jersey. Yeah, he's like, I can't give you this. I was like, why? So like a losing season. Yeah, just kind of strange. It almost felt like he knew this was the end of a When he was chapter. celebrating real big, too, and it was just kind of like, that's weird. And he's the ultimate competitor again. So I think there's a heck of a lot better chance. And you heard what Ballard said. We want somebody that's going to be here for the next 10 years. And who doesn't, right? Like, that's what everyone wants that owns a football. Well, they want to get off this QB carousel. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're seeing what a lot of teams have dealt with, with quarterback purgatory. And I I just think that Ursay knows, kind of like Jerry Jones, like, you've got too many pieces here to not put your chips on the table and play ball. So, you can either do that, or you can keep coming up short and just throwing out hyperbole about climbing the mountain and what you have to do and picking yourself up. Because eventually Jonathan Taylor's not going to pop like he does now. And that's hard to say that. And Darius Leonard won't pop like he will. And Quentin Nelson will keep missing games. you got to strike while the iron's hot. You have to get going. You have to start spending money. Seven pro bowlers. This is our time. Yeah. Ballard's got to adjust in in free agency. So whether that's going all in with the owner's permission and giving. He loves them picks. But you got to give up them picks and go get that quarterback. Well, they don't have a first-round pick. So I think they have to be more active in free agency this year. Yes, I'm they thinking do. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, like yes, go get yes. a true alpha wide receiver one. And Pittman's a great one B or second banana. Go get Calvin Ridley. Yeah, go get, yeah, if Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Calvin's healthy. Go get him. He's going to be available. If he's truly done in Atlanta, go get Calvin Ridley. Whatever it takes, bring in some weapons for whoever the quarterback's going to be. But I think if you ask Jim Ursay about Wentz, Maybe after a few beers, this is probably what he would say. And I got to say, that dude stinks, baby. <laughs> to quote the man sitting here to my right, that dude stinks, baby. It's a dumpster fire. So let's move on now, Connie, to the divisional round recap. This was a great stat that Arn pulled. The combined margin of victory across all four games this weekend was 15 points. That's not the average margin of victory because that'd be a terrible weekend of football. Combined, 15 points. Every game ended on a walk-off score. This was the smallest margin combined, margin of victory in divisional round history. So, do you think this was the greatest weekend in NFL playoff history? In my life, yes. I, I mean, yes. I think that's a good way to look at it because obviously I haven't been a football fan for the entirety of divisional round history, yeah. but... In my lifetime, I just can't remember a four-pack of games. Now, they weren't like barn burners from wire to wire, but they all had memorable moments, crazy finishes. I mean, what else can you ask for besides drama right up until the final moment? And that Chiefs-Bills game Sunday evening capped out north of 50 million viewers. So it was pretty clear that the viewing public was all in on Divisional Round Weekend. It was awesome. I mean, I'm 30 just for listener's sake, if you're like, what are these clowns talking about? So I've got, realistically, 15 really good years of football memory. 
I thought um, you were going to say I've got 15 years left. I was like, that sounds nah, about that's, right. That's generous. <laughs> that's that's uh, that is uh, generous for me. No, it was just football porn and. I told Becca that, and this was such a funny wife comment. She came out there, and it was like 2 in the morning. She was feeding the baby, and she's like, are you going to come to bed? What is wrong with you? And I was just wide awake because I was so wired because I just wanted more football because there's no exhilarating rush. And this is loser talk, and I, we, the Colts have been on their loser stuff in the last year or two. But when your team is out, whether you get eliminated first round or whatever, and you have these type of playoff games like – have we seen what the QBR was for Mahomes versus Josh Allen? It had to almost be a perfect game. I know the uh, the EPA, the expected points added per play, was like 0.51. So literally on like every play, they were expected to add like half a point or something insane. Like it was in the normal, I think the normal like good game for a quarterback with that stat is like 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. They were both, both 0.5. Like they were, I heard it said very well by Greg Rosenthal that they played the position about as well as you could possibly play quarterback. I really can't imagine that, especially on those, that those last like, you know, five minutes or whatever, when 25 points were scored in the final two minutes, I can't imagine two quarterbacks playing the position better than those two. No, I, I haven't mean, seen it in a while, at least. You say 13 seconds to someone from now on, they're going to think of Patrick Mahomes. Like, how badass is that to have a metric of time that in no way should be enough to win a football game now associate it with your name forever? And you got to give love. I mean, Mahomes was great, fantastic. But Tyreek is unbelievable. He's the so punt, fast. The punt return to set up that last drive and then that um, just amazing little dump to him to let him just eat up yardage. And then Travis Kelsey. Kelsey on that final play, I'm I sure mean, you saw the clip where Mahomes was like, do it, Kels, do it. Yeah, because he told him, he's like, I'm going to run this backyard route. I'm, I'm going yeah. to run it up the seam. It's going to yeah. be wide open. And he was right. It's just and You saw Kelsey like kind of stand up and like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. And then it, it worked beautifully. I can't imagine that type of crowd and that type of game and just we're gonna see that a lot and it's it's just the cliche this is the Manning Brady no this is this is it and you're seeing it in real time I hope we get this game every single year and as a Colts fan it sucks because then you got my boy uh Joey like oh my gosh the swag lord for Cincinnati I'm so happy for the city of Cincinnati. Me but too. I'm cheering for the Bengals the rest of the way yeah I'm I'm all in on uh on Joey I mean he's just He's the man. He's so freaking cool. He's uh he's got a lot of drip. I liked Markham's take though, like tread lightly. Yeah, don't go too far. Yeah, like get you know, don't show up like wearing a monocle or something like out of control. Don't, don't start being like Kanye and just dressing yeah, yeah. like don't, abstract. Don't go to Cam Newton's tailor. God. Or typing like him. Which is worse, the way he dressed or typed? Oh boy. I actually like some of his outfits and I hate the way he types. So that's yeah, the typing too. Some of the fits were flames. Yeah, Joe Joe Burrow, Joey B, twenty five years old. It's weird for me now as a thirty four year old to be like, that twenty five year old sure is cool. But man, Joe Burrow is freaking cool. So, real quick, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. I think it's been very overblown. Do you think the overtime rules in the NFL need to be fixed? For the playoffs, yes. Yeah, I think you can have a separate set of rules because you already, the, the playoff overtime rules are already different for because the playoffs. Because you have to have a winner. You have to have a winner. 
So there's nothing that says, you know, one thing the NFL, I will give them credit, and the NBA kind of beats them on it in terms of leagues that adapt and see things and aren't afraid to change in ways that grow the game and make the game better. And unfortunately, that's another situation where the Bills are going to kind of be like a historic, almost like the tuck rule with Oakland and what happened with them where like a rule is basically changed at their expense after the fact. So sometimes we have history-causing events that lead to changes like that. the Saints getting the pass interference rule that was made it a reviewable play after they got robbed against the Rams. Yeah, did Des catch it? I mean, sometimes it's a preponderance of evidence over time, and then other times it's a a singular event, and you just say, man, this is – this is was awesome, but it could have been better. And hopefully Goodell and all the above, players union, whoever it is, can come together and at least agree, hey, let's leave the regular season alone because it's kind of wild. to at, Think about how entertaining that was with the ties and how Pittsburgh was able to vault into the playoffs even with that. So let that be. That's kind of a unique thing about. But in the playoffs, you got to give both teams a possession. If you get to that point, it's ridiculous to just, like, first to score wins. Here's what I'll say is that I don't think it needs to be changed. I think that's discounting the importance of special teams and defense to say that the offense is the only unit by which we should measure whether it was fair for a team at the end of a game. But if you do, if the NFL does want to change it, it's pretty simple. We've heard people time and time again, this tends to pop up, that people complain about the overtime rule in the NFL. Have you ever heard anyone complain about overtime rules in college? Ever? No. Everyone loves college overtime. It's amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, that I would say is not only is it fair, not only do both teams get a chance, but if we're talking about player safety... No kickoffs. What's Yeah, no kickoffs. What's better than... Two units just going at it. Now, if it stretches into three or four or five overtimes, you put the you know things in place to help make it go quicker with the two-point conversions and all that kind of stuff. But, like, player safety-wise, I have to imagine that college overtimes go quicker and are less demanding on your body than an NFL overtime, which can stretch on. I mean, it's a 10-minute overtime. Yeah, it's just... With college, it's just short little bursts of plays with lots of breaks in between to switch ends of the field. Uh, overtime is just such an abstract thing, so like, hopefully the NFL doesn't just leave it to the confines of what it is now and say, like, well, we can't change it because it was this way before. Like, No. Well, a lot of things that were not as good as they could be were bad or you know in a worse way before, but you improved on them. And sometimes, again, it, it is retroactively after someone else's expense, but make the game... Push the game forward. Make the game better. Just like we had, re, you know, review on everything, like pass interference for a minute, and then we took it away. Yeah, so it wasn't good. wasn't good. Yeah. So don't be afraid to troubleshoot real issues that we have seen that can make the game better, uh, make the game safer, like you said. Try things like that. But both teams should get a chance to possess the ball. Sudden death overtime, just for me in the playoffs, Um. It takes it took away the field goal. You have to get the touchdown or safety. Yeah, but I agree. There is something to be said for wanting a game like that. Josh Allen on the sidelines for the entirety of overtime. That doesn't quite feel right in that kind of moment. Because so. it's a coin toss. Otherwise, you're saying like, why can't the defense keep up? 
well, NFL, do you want to acknowledge that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are superstars? Well, and do you want you... to acknowledge the fact that defenses are totally gassed at that point? Yeah, like which one is it? We can't have it both ways that you're propping up and saying, look at us at our superstar QBs, but why can't the defense stop them? We don't need to change the overtime rules. This is the way it's always been. So evaluate and make it better, Roger. And here's what I'll say. USFL's coming back in April. XFL's going to be coming back next year. You want a rule change? Look to the XFL. They fixed the kickoff. They fixed it. Because kickoffs now, they're pointless because most of them are kicked out of the end zone. It's just a wasted play. The XFL, they had it to where the kick returner got the ball and the two teams were lined up about like 10 yards or so in front of them, standing about five yards apart. There was no running start. As soon as the ball was caught, the two teams could go at each other. Almost like rugby style. They fixed it. Like, that's brilliant. That's beautiful. Because what causes the injuries on the kickoff, it's the fact these guys are flying full speed at Like 20 miles an hour down the field at like 250 pounds. So, NFL, please do us all a favor. Adopt the XFL kickoff rules, and your fans will thank you when kickoffs are more entertaining. But, Connie, let's move to the second-to-last piece of news here. We're going to spin forward to this weekend. Who do you like? Bengals are at the Chiefs. 49ers are at the Rams. We saw both of these games within the past few weeks. 49ers-Rams was actually the Week 18 game. And then Bengals-Chiefs, I think, was two or three weeks ago. Like, Week 16 or 17, we had that awesome Bengals-Chiefs game. The Bengals actually pulled out, so... Who do you like? I'm going Chiefs and Rams, but I'll be rooting for the Bengals. I'm, uh, it's uh, my exact answer. I I just I love Joey franchise. Uh, the good people of Cincinnati deserve good things because here's the thing, guys. Like their stadium is literally almost in Kentucky. It is. Like, it is like right on the you line. Can see it from across the river. So, and that's besides the point. I, I love I loved Burrow in college. I mean. He's just badass, and he's just this generational guy with this confidence. Just a and total. And he's not friend. the most talented guy, but no. you never feel like you're out of a game with him as your quarterback. He doesn't have the physical set that like Patrick and Josh have. Like those two are just like total cyborgs. Um, people want to put Lamar in that category, and he's just not. He's different. He he's a different he's type. A, he's of, a different type of player with his legs. Yeah, but like Allen and uh, Allen and Mahomes, it's just totally different ball game. Uh, with them so you know with that being said and looking at who we have left on the the looking at who we have left for the field this weekend I will be cheering for the Bengals I like the Chiefs I like the Rams I think they will put away the 49ers pretty easy I hope I the 49ers the one team I don't want to see in there oh god that'd be gross Jimmy G just throwing no throwing no touchdowns and like 283 yards and like one pick, zero touchdowns, and the defense gives up like 13 points, and it's like a 14 to 13 Super Bowl. No, thank you. Yeah, I take the Brady rule with him. You're too handsome, so you you can't have you can't have so you can't many have nice all things. this. You yeah. need to be a little more ugly. And, we need and, to humble you a little yeah, bit. Let's just bring you back down to earth. Yeah, I think uh, you know we've. This is a big weekend as far as our fantasy playoff league. Uh, you actually have the most players left, and you need to be rooting for the Bengals because I believe you have Joey B, you have Jamar Chase. You're down. I think you're in last place, but you get the Bengals to come through two more games for you with your quarterback and Jamar Chase. Connie's right back in it. So 
I'm getting drug right now, though. I'm I'm down bad, as it's the kids bad. say. Yeah, it's, it's bad. really bad. You're I didn't not, see you're that happen. You're not happening. pushing P. I'm not. That's if you're P. pushing P, it's poop. That that's P is you're going to see more of that, and it's going to be the blue emoji P. If you put that in the title of the episode, and there's any young kids, otherwise Hunter, older people are going to be just similar to your stolen beard valor. We would be canceled, I think, by the Zoomers out there. I'm just going to end up shaving my face before I come on here next time. Speaking of Zoomers, I'm so excited. I'm not excited. I'm just. It's like a social experiment. I'm curious to see how it goes with the halftime show. It's like Dre, it's Kendrick, it's Eminem. Snoop, Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige. I can't wait for all the boomers out there to get upset, say something like, what is this? This isn't music. They can't smoke weed on stage, even though they're in California and you can smoke weed. Why isn't it Garth Brooks? In my day, we had real music. What is this? I just can't wait to have that moment of just like looking, and this is going to be collectively people our age are going to look at their 60 year old parents and just mentally catalog the assisted living facilities that would be affordable to put them in here soon. Yeah, it's uh, definitely one way to put it, but it's pretty spot on. Um, Eminem being uh, the only piece of white chocolate and otherwise just fantastic lineup of black creators. So it will be though, just you'll, you'll see a lot of the, just prepare. Yeah, the boomer generation is going to just get so ridiculous with this. And here's the thing. Rap is is tougher to do live than some other genres, but it will still be good. I mean, dude, this is Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Eminem. There's so many bangers. I mean, it's it's going to be... I think, here's the thing, though, too. The Super Bowl show always sucks. No one like, watches it. It's never any good. Yeah. That's the time to, like, run to the gas station and get a drink or, like... Go take a piss or talk to your buddies down on the you know the second level of the house that you haven't talked to yet. Nobody's watching this, and it's never good. No titties are popping out. Janet Jackson ain't here, baby. Yeah, ever since we put the boobies back in the you know back in the tops, it's been yeah a little more depressing and a little less fun. What did she have around her nipples? Was it like it a was nipple a, ring? It like was a like sun? a sun. Yeah, it was like I a. Still remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of the first nips you see, and you're like. Wow. Damn, shawty. It's on the Super Bowl halftime yeah. show, like Look biggest stage in the world. Justin Timberlake did her wrong. That she was knew wild. That. That's wild that happened. She knew that was coming, right? There, she come out and be like, yo, he just he did that. I Because if she, not, you have to meet too, Justin Timberlake, right? And that's my boy. I'm not doing that to him. I think it was, uh, I think there was some blame being thrown around on both sides. Oh, He Timberlake. said, she said, you know, what's the actual story? I don't think we'll ever know. JT. But, uh. You know, I hate to, you know, be that guy. Let's see. Do we have this drop? I think we do. Yeah. You're not that guy, pal. Where are we? Give me. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. I hate to be that guy, Connie. But uh, the last piece of news we have here, the Chiefs waived wide receiver Josh Gordon, who had been inactive in recent games, but signed, signed him to the practice squad after he cleared waivers. You just, you hate to see a promising career ruined by marijuana. Let this be a lesson to all the aspiring potheads out here. <laughs> Don't plan to play in the NFL because you'll end up like Josh Gordon, waived prior to a potential Super Bowl run and sitting on a practice squad, languishing, looking back on a career that you literally smoked away. And let this be a lesson to all of you that if you have problems with anxiety or depression or other mental health issues, 
You just need to be like every other self-respecting American and just dope yourself up on pills and tour it all and antidepressants. Run your and, head into other full-grown men. Yeah, just uh, yeah, and do that a for a living. But I hate that for uh, for Josh Gordon. Um, you know, if this was five years later, this is probably a non-factor because it. You know, NFLPA has if they didn't this past year, they're basically if you weren't, I think already in the drug policy, like they're not testing for marijuana anymore. If I'm fairly certain with the NFLPA rules, um, so that's a good take. And uh, you know, you talk about you talk about player safety, and I know this is like a joking thing, and it absolutely is. Like it sucks for him. Like I can't believe how many times like it just became. The ongoing was, joke, like you can't a, yeah. stop, you can't stop smoking for like a week or two and just pass a drug test and then just smoke all you want in the off season or get out of the program and once you're out and you pass the once a year test, yeah. From what you I've smoke heard, smoke all year. Yeah, the the test is pretty easy to, once a year to pass. Yeah, and that's it. And I don't even know if they do that anymore. But if you're already in the program like him, they're gonna pick on you. So you can either pick the pills and Toradol or whatever it is that he's medicating with with that. Um, you know, I hate it for him, and it's an archaic rule that hopefully less guys are affected by. So, um, the Josh Gordon project, I would say, is uh, I would love nothing more, though. I will say this I think the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. I think they win the Super Bowl. It would, I mean, Pringle, someone goes down like that. Josh, Josh Gordon, Gordon is coming, Josh Gordon is coming in, and he will play. If, if one of those main guys goes down, I mean, he's, he's coming up because he's got big play potential. So, would love to see that, but if not, hey, Flash. Had a lot of plays. Kids, if you smoke marijuana, just be ready to go to prison. I think that's the takeaway that we have from the Josh Gordon story. Do we have the Stephen A. Smith, like, stay off the weed? No, but you did such a good impression of it that it's like we have it. Let's see, you got to gift me there. But yeah, well, you, uh, you you weren't on camera. It was the camera on me. I'm sorry. You're so selfish with the camera. So, yeah, make sure, folks, that you're watching on YouTube. Follow us over there, and we'll be posting some shorter clips to Twitter. But uh, tonight was the first uh, trial run with the uh, multicam setup, Connie. You uh, came in the shack, and you were ready for your close-up. You walk into a uh, shack in rural Kentucky with a... Two 30-year-old white dudes and, like, four tripods streaming at once. Like, what are you thinking? What you do? You're you're thinking it may not be a place that you want to be. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Your neighbors, like, if they just came by, like, some of them obviously know you. But if they saw this, they're thinking, like, you run an OnlyFans out here. 100%. It's like, who else? Who, who has this many cameras and tripods? So, hey, listeners, we love that you listen. So, if you can do us a big favor, like... Subscribe, watch the videos, all the above, leave the reviews. But, man, the video looks awesome. I mean, it's uh, super cool, all the captions on the screen and stuff. Y'all are big time now, man. Big tings. It's you know how tings. we do. And make sure you subscribe to the OnlyFans. Coming on June 9th, baby. Starring Addy and Bobby. That's right. It's you like the fireman it. calendar issue. It's risque, but we, not risky enough we, to lose your job over. We have over. actually said, you know, potentially doing a fireman calendar. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, um. Not allowed, so I'm sorry. That's all right. It's the beard. Shave the beard, and then we can talk. What's going on with all the beard hate? Why is everyone... Because I didn't do that cover, and I'm still catching just strays occasionally on Twitter for that. So I need it. I need everybody in the IDP community to show some love. Every time I come on here, it's just... The Colts have gotten their shit pushed in, and it's just been horrible for me. And then... 
I just get we're gonna rag on your beer. Yeah, I guess that's just the way you know that you're accepted. Is people yeah. just constantly if we just didn't care about push you, your face in the mud. Yeah, we wouldn't give you crap. Then you'd have a better beard if you come out with mud all over your face. So think about that. Hey, that's a great point. I blacked out, so I don't know what you said, but you know that's uh, being a professional host. I can just. Roll with the punches. It's past 11. It's 20 degrees. Our toes are numb. My toes, Sometimes you my just toes, forget stuff. I've been out here since 8 o'clock, so my my whole body, all my extremities are numb. But, Connie, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you filling in on late notice, and uh, always good to have you in the shack. Enjoyed it, baby. So we will be back after this break. We're going to hear a song from Sugar Daisy. And when we come back, don't go anywhere, y'all. We got a whole back half of the episode. I know you all are going to really enjoy. We're going to be talking with Joy the Tooth about an early look at his top five favorite prospects for the 2022 NFL Draft. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. But for now, take it away, Sugar Daisy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code IDPSHOW for 20% off plus free shipping. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Ultra and Premium, folks, that's how you know it's really, really good. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The Advanced Skin Safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts it also comes equipped with a 4000k led spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be a grooming routine isn't complete without applying crop preserver and crop reviver before showing off your 2022 self these unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence into the new year to complete the set manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. 
And the new product that needs no introduction, the Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped, solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine. But in the shower, I shower every day, and I hope you do too. This body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. Kick discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code IDP show. Cheers to new balls in 2022. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code IDP show at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code IDP show. It's new year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. All right, welcome back to the IDP show. That, of course, was Sugar Daisy. Be sure to check out their music over on Spotify. Great dudes. We love having their music on the pod. And speaking of dudes we love to have on the pod, this back half of the episode I am very excited for because we are welcoming in one of our favorites to talk about an early look at 2022 draft prospects. You know him from IDP, guys. Joey the Tooth. Joey, how are you, man? I'm living the life, man. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. It is freezing cold here in Bowling Green tonight. Uh, even the walk from my house to the shack, uh, my hands are basically ice cubes at this point. The nostrils uh, freeze when you start walking. Pretty much, yeah. You can see the breath. It, like There's steam coming off my head, like that great clip from the <laughs> All Madden documentary. Just a total nightmare. Uh, but, you know, we got the wall-mounted heater here in the sewed shack, thank God. So, uh, you know, it's not like our early days where we had to literally scrape and claw and pull together foot heaters from our various houses just to keep us from like jackhammering during the episode. So it's cold outside, man, but it's hot inside the shack because we are talking rookies, Joey. And if you ask me, it's never too early to get a jump start on research for the NFL draft. Oh, not at all. I I took a break at the end of the season. This season for the NFL was kind of wearing on my brain a little bit. I don't know if it was extended season, if it was another COVID season or what, but I I was exhausted. So I I took a little bit of a break. And uh, as soon as the season ended, it was just like, all right, draft prospects. Let's get ready for the offseason. There is no offseason. This is my favorite time of year. So just dove right in and just have been just watching tape like crazy. Now, what I will say is it seems like the draft community as a whole, Joey, is a little down on this class. I think because it lacks the big star power at quarterback or, you know, some really like top tier wide receiver talent, like what we've seen in the past couple drafts. But it seems like to me, there might be a plethora of IDP defensive talent in this draft. Is is that what you've seen so far? Yeah, there's there's some good, uh, some definitely some good talent in this draft. Uh, the edge class is super deep. They don't really have, I mean, they have the two top guys, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Those guys are phenomenal. After that, there's a plethora of tier two, like not even like tier two, tier three. There's just 
a ton of tier two edge rushers, which is fantastic. And somebody's going to get lucky in like the third or fourth round because there's just so much edge talent that they're going to drop. It's going to be so nice. But uh, linebackers deep again this year. Um, the one position I think that lacks the only position really is uh, safety. It's a little thin this year. When Jordan Battle went back to Alabama, which was kind of disheartening, but well, I want to see him in the NFL. That dude's nasty. But all in all, it's it's a very it's a deep class, very deep class, and there's some actual like star power in this class. I like it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those drafts. I don't know how it's going to shake out for fantasy. Like once mm-hmm. the rookie drafts for IDP leagues start to roll around, where is the defensive talent going to go? Is it going to be like a typical maybe back of the first round, beginning of the second, really starting to pour it on in the third? Or IDP is going to go higher up because the offensive talent is a little diluted? I'm not sure. I think the uh, process over these next few months obviously will be very informative as far as how we feel about these rookies with regard to our fantasy teams. But what I'm excited to dig into tonight, Joey, is like you said, you've been, you've, you dove in with both feet. You've been doing the research. You've been looking at prospects. So what we're going to do tonight, we're not going to do the full deep dive. That will be coming in the feed as we get closer to the end of April. But tonight we're going to do just an early look at five of your favorite draft prospects for 2022. And when I pitched this to you, I said, Favorite, that can mean anything you want it to mean. It can mean the guys that you have enjoyed watching the most, the ones that you think have the most talent, the ones that are easy to comp to another player. So for the sake of fantasy, you understand maybe what they're going to look like once they enter the league. But you have selected five players. And what I really appreciate is that you really – you ran the gamut here. We've got safety, edge, linebacker, cup, and three linebackers. So we've got all three levels, defensive line, DB, and linebacker covered on this episode, Joey. And I, I'm really excited to get into it with you. These I haven't dove in. I haven't started doing my research yet. But I will say, I do recognize some of the names on this list. So I'm excited to jump into it with you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so... I wanted to kind of put a little bit from each position on here because I do have some favorite guys, but honestly, these guys in general over the, I mean, there's Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Like I said, those two guys are one a one B in this draft, but after them, there's a lot of talent. And some of these guys that I have listed, maybe two of them, I want to say probably aren't going to be first or second round guys, but I really like them, and I think put in the right spot, they could really succeed. Yeah. Now, we'll say uh, you have Thibodeau, you have Hutchison. Is I've heard on other draft podcasts that these guys maybe aren't at the level of like a Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. Do you think they're maybe like a notch below those dudes in terms of prospects? Um. So Thibodeau, he has all the the potential in the world like he's explosive he's got size he's got power he's like 280 pounds and super flexible he's got crazy bend off the edge but he wasn't incredibly productive this year so it's kind of like those guys were productive every single year so you see he has everything he needs um but he just needs to put it together so he's kind of that incredibly high ceiling guy but his floor isn't as high as the other guys like Aiden Hutchinson. He's got probably 
the same floor as like Nick Bosa. You know you're going to get something from him, and he's just he's relentless. He's good. He's he's more athletic than people think. Everybody keeps knocking his athleticism, but he's he's just solid. And you you saw even if he went out last year, he was going to be a first or second rounder. This year he go he comes back, goes into the, this year's football season and just dominates like even twice as much as he did the previous year. So he's just he's your incredibly high floor guy. You've already seen what you're going to get out of him. I don't think there's really much more you can get out of Aiden Hutchinson, honestly. But he's got you got your high floor guy and you have your high ceiling guy. So Thibodeau is the guy who could reach Miles Garrett. Hutchinson is like right below Nick Bosa. And I don't think he's going to go much higher, but I think they're there. Gotcha. Now I have to ask, just mm-hmm. because of the comparison. We know this is a white defensive lineman from Michigan. We're not looking at another Chase Winovich situation, are we, with Aiden Hutchinson? Man, I, I no, I don't think so. Because Aiden Aiden Hutchinson, he's so much more complete. And if, if just go back and watch some of the, the film, like even in the in the game they had uh during the college playoffs, like everybody's knocking Hutchinson because he didn't he didn't have big. He didn't make big plays. He didn't make splash plays. But if you go back and you actually watch the film, you watch his game. He dominated every lineman he played. But he got doubled. They made. They ran plays away from him. They schemed him out of the game. It wasn't that he wasn't dominating. Like he was getting into the backfield. They were just getting rid of the ball. They were running the ball. They were getting away from him. So he he is a dominant player. All right. Well, we'll see. Are you? You're sitting there. You're the um, Detroit Lions with the first overall pick in the draft. Are you going Hutchinson? You going Thibodeau? You going somewhere else? What's Joey the Tooth, the GM, doing at the top of the draft? Honestly, I think I'm going to go Thibodeau just because his ceiling is so high. Like He, he has the Miles Garrett athletic traits. So if he can just put it together with a little bit of coaching. And Dan Campbell seems to get the best out of his guys. So if he can get it together, then he could be a force. Yeah, that would make sense. You know, it in terms of I don't think this is the class to go get your quarterback. So no, what are what are the other where are the other places you want to build? I would argue that it's offensive and defensive line. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take Panay Sewell with a top five or top six pick in last year's draft, and even though he started slow and there were some some worries there. He really turned it on near the end of the season and had a very solid rookie campaign. Now you can turn around and kind of get his counterpart for the defensive line with Thibodeau or Hutchinson. I think I'm going defensive lineman there as well. There won't be the kind of uh, spice and sizzle because it's not a quarterback, but us IDP heads uh, should be drooling at the prospect of being able to, you know, select a, defensive end with that kind of draft capital because mm-hmm. i would think both those guys are going top five right yeah oh yeah I, honestly in the nfl draft they're probably going one two. Oh, i would love oh. to see that because it's the it's the jags with the second pick right right yeah you, I mean, oh, I you pair one of them up sure. with josh allen that's nice yeah. and you know you've got uh aquara there for the lions still so mm-hmm. There's some talent along that defensive line. That team definitely punched above its weight all season. They weren't a oh, good yeah. team, but I think they have some pieces in place that um, you know, they're not they're not starting with an empty cupboard. They've got no. some pieces to build with. And they played much better than their record showed. I mean, they were in a lot of games, just 
they obviously weren't as talented as a lot of teams. That's that's the crazy part about that team. Like you look at the team and they shouldn't be a good team. You know they're not a good team, but they were in games with good teams. So it's like, all right, that's where I give Dan Campbell a lot of credit. He got yeah, these that's, guys. That's playing. coaching. Yeah. That's coaching. If you can get these guys to, you know, play play over their heads all season. In a, in a in a what they have to know is a lost season. They know they're not going to make the playoffs, right? Uh, but to get them to play hard and to show up every Sunday and and not get their doors blown off and embarrass themselves, I like the trajectory of this team. I like it a lot more. There's not a stink coming off this team like there is, say, with the Jaguars. Right. Even though you have Trevor Lawrence, that season was such an epic disaster. Uh, except of course in the last game when they knocked my Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs when you've got you know people oh. wearing clown suits in the stands so I'm not bitter about it as you can tell I'm totally <laughs> normal and have a healthy viewpoint on the whole thing but uh, I just had to ask about the top two guys because I know if we didn't bring them up there'd be people saying well, why don't you guys talk about Hutchinson and Thibodeau right. so wanted to give the folks their you know their their edge rusher love there off the top but to kick things off Joey we are going to go to Notre Dame and start with a safety that has jumped up onto your list of top five favorites. Who are we kicking things off with here? All right, Kyle Hamilton. So I've liked him for a couple of years now. He comes in with great sizes of safety. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. He's got unbelievable length for the position. He can literally play any position. So he he can square up and tackle like a linebacker. He's lined up at linebacker before. He can play slot corner. He can play outside corner. He can play both safety positions. They've even played him on the edge rushing the passer. He he literally, he does it all. He makes great break, breaks in the football. His, his IQ is high level. Uh, his ball skills are great. And like I said before, he's a superb tackler. As a safety prospect, I feel like he is really close to a perfect p- prospect. Like I, I don't know. Like he's got the size, he's got s- skill, he's got positional versatility. The only thing he doesn't have is elite speed, but he still has good speed. So it's like it, it's mind. Like he is a safety that I would have no problem drafting in the top ten of the NFL draft. Wow, that's very high praise because that's not typically a position that we see get taken that high. I think right. like your Jamal Adams, maybe uh, jumps to Derwin. mind. Derwin, yeah. Derwin James. 13, yeah. So very rarely do you see safeties even going in the top half of the first round. So mm-hmm. very high praise. And I should have mentioned Joey, what we're going to do with, with each of these prospects, because for me, the layman, the person who does not study these prospects as much, we're going to give a player comp and then like an ideal landing spot with yeah. this guy's skill set and where you think they're going to go in the draft. Who could be in play? Now, I know it's January. We haven't seen like combine or pro day numbers yet. We uh, we haven't had the draft buzz. Hell, the season's still going on. So <laughs> will these be accurate? Who knows? Even the best mock drafts two two days before the NFL drafts are at best 25%, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still fun to talk about here in January as we dream about what these players could be in the NFL. So who is your player comp for Mr. Kyle Hamilton? Uh, a slightly bigger Harrison Smith. Now, I that love, is I a player comp that I can rock with. I yep. am a huge Harrison Smith fan. I had him this year in our main league before 
sell, uh, shipping him off to our boy, uh, Ben, Ben Raddy. So I'm a huge Harrison Smith fan. He's been a favorite of mine, been underappreciated kind of like Eric Kendricks, his whole career. Yep. I feel like, so if you're telling me that Kyle Hamilton comps to Harrison Smith, just with more size, Joey, I am very intrigued, my friend. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his game. Harrison Smith's always been one of my favorites. In my first IDP league I ever was in, I drafted Harrison Smith, and he was just phenomenal. And I think I've drafted him like seven of the 11 years I've done this. So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it. We all have our guys, right? We right. all have our guys that we love. And uh, Harrison Smith, I love that. So where do you think, given his skills, the needs of the team, the teams that will be kind of in play for this guy, where do you think would be a good landing spot for him? Uh, I honestly think the Philadelphia Eagles, first off, because they have, I think, three first round picks. So they can actually, they can reach for somebody like like a safety early. Um, they have very minimal talent of the position. I mean, right now their starters are Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod, and they have Kayvon Wallace and Marcus Epps as their backups. Uh, outside of TJ Edwards, their linebacker unit is poor. And this year they actually had a, a boosted up defensive back group, which I was actually surprised at because they didn't really make that many additions. But I mean, like I said, he can play all over the field. So wherever you need him, there's plenty of holes in that defense. So. I love it. And this is a team. I heard it described very well. They have defensive line talent. They've got some nice corners, but aside from that, that kind of spine of the defense, the linebackers and safeties need a dramatic overhaul. We've already heard from Howie Roseman, the GM's mouth that Jalen hurts is the quarterback for 2022. Now, obviously things can change between now and draft day, but my thinking all along has been that the Eagles are going to use at least two of these first round picks to stock the roster with some needed playmakers and then potentially trade back and pick up another first round draft pick potentially for 2023 that they can then use as ammunition to go get their quarterback if they don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy after 2022. So I like this idea. Definitely a position of need. Now, one thing, Joey, that we also want to get your take on Rookies can be a bit of fool's gold when it comes to IDP. Mm-hmm. So what kind of impact sitting here on January 25th, what kind of impact do you think that Mr. Hamilton will have for IDP in his rookie year? I think he's a guy that makes an instant impact. I think he's, he's instant. He, he goes into the, he gets drafted. He starts, he plays pretty much in every down role and he's asked to do everything. So he, you're going to, in past defense heavy leagues, he's gonna he's gonna get you plenty of those. He's gonna have great tackle numbers because he's gonna be asked to come up and run support. I he's like I said, he's like almost a perfect prospect in my eyes. I love Kyle Hamilton. I love it. This will be a guy I'm tracking closely. So this is nice too. This is like a jump start for me on who do I need to be paying attention to once we get into pro days and the Super Bowl's over and all eyes turn toward the draft. So very excited to see what happens with Mr. Kyle Hamilton. Let's Mm -hmm. move to your second player and we're going down to the Sunshine State, particularly the Seminoles of Florida State and edge rusher. You've got your eye on who is the second guy we're talking about here. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the second, uh, he's a guy 
I wasn't really like throughout the season that I didn't really hear too much about him, but just recently his name's been picking up some steam and some hype. So I wanted to, I wanted to watch him a bit. He's not like a elite talent, but he's incredibly intriguing. So he's a super physical player. Uh, he's got some bend to his frame. Uh, he's got a plethora of pass rush moves, great counters. Uh, he runs the stunt really well, comes inside. Uh, he can actually pass rush from the inside, even though he's, I think he's only 260 pounds, but he can still, he can, he can get in there with the big boys in the middle. Uh, he's incredibly athletic and he has super long arms. So he wraps up well, he clogs running lanes. Uh, he's just a very, very physical player. And I, I enjoyed watching him though. There was, there was times where he got lost a little bit, but I, I think the talent level is there. He just needs, like most guys coming out of college, he needs coaching. But, I mean, he coming from Florida State, you don't really have that right now, which is kind of sad for me to say because they used to be so good when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's a program that's been hurting for some legitimacy and some wins for uh, shoot over close to two decades now, oh, it seems man. like been tough so, like growing up it was like it was florida state that was the team it was like everybody from florida state was good now it's just it's been a while man it's been a while but uh at least we have prospects like jermaine johnson yeah. the second to give us a little bit of juice when it comes to florida state so speaking of juice i really liked your comp here because i think this is a player i can get my mind around in terms of an idp roster so who did Mr. Johnson reminds you of uh, Josh Sweet from uh, from uh, the Eagles. One of those uh, D line prospects that actually uh, had a breakout year last year. So it took him a couple of years to get going in the NFL, which is kind of what I expect happening with Johnson as well. But they have a very similar skill set. I mean, just physicality and just just getting to the pass getting to the quarterback that's going to be their thing johnson's not going to be a guy who's going to rack up tons of tackles but he's going to be a guy that's going to get to the quarterback so he can eventually break break down in every down roll but i think to start his career he'll probably end up just a, a pure pass rusher maybe a situational pass rusher but can get himself a, every down roll probably year two year three yeah i was gonna say Looking at your IDP kind of impact factor here, you're seeing a sophomore season type of breakout mm -hmm. and a landing spot that is a, a good testing ground for patience when it comes to edge rushers, but with some <laughs> of the guys that they have drafted the past couple years. So where do you see uh, Jermaine Johnson, the second potentially being a good fit? I like the Seattle Seahawks. So they have Carlos Dunlop, who had a phenomenal year last year, I think at 33 years old, 32 years old, but that's the thing. He's 33 years old. So he's going to be he's going to be gone soon. Uh, Daryl Taylor started off the season last year very strong, but he was incredibly inconsistent after he came back from injury. Um, outside of that, I mean, you have Rasheem Green, who's he's nothing. Uh, Kerry Hyder himself is 32 years old, so they need an injection of somebody of Johnson's physicality. Yeah, I love that. I was up until the beginning of last season, I was holding out hope on my LJ Collier share in my main oh, league, no. and uh, it just never worked out. It, you know, first round, 
first round draft selection of the Seahawks. I think he was a fifth round pick in our rookie draft uh, for me a few years ago. And it just never panned out. So hopefully you're, thinking, if, you're like, I'm getting a guy with first round draft cap. I know. In the fifth round. This is, man, this is good. I just think I've hit a home run there. I'm like, oh man, how did this guy sneak through? And uh turns out the egg was on my face. So yep. shame on Mr. LJ Collier, but we wish better fortunes for Jermaine Johnson. So let's move to the third player here on your list. And we're headed out to Wyoming to look at a linebacker. Who is the third prospect that has caught your eye? Chad Muma. I love first off. I love his name, Chad Muma. Second off. He's fantastic. So uh, what was his name? Uh, Chris Borland. Remember Chris Borland for the 49ers? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Had a good little run before he uh, prematurely retired. Muma kind of reminds me of him. So he's not like your, your overly athletic guy. He's really should have been my player comp now that I think about it, but he's not an overly athletic guy, but his IQ is unbelievable. His pre-snap processing. He knows exactly where the football is going all the time. He shoots gaps. He knows where the runner's going. He's a fantastic tackler. He takes great angles to the ball. Uh, he's always squaring up and wrapping up. He's never leading with a shoulder. Uh, he's fantastic in coverage. So he, he can he runs his own coverage, probably outside of N'Kobe Dean, probably better than anybody else in this draft. Um, and man coverage, he's very good as well. Just because of his IQ, he's just a little slower than some of these incredibly athletic tight ends, some of these Kyle Pitts, Mike Gusecki type of guys. But Moom is always around the football. He's uh, he's just that guy who's always there. And if we all remember, one of our favorites from Wyoming a couple of years ago, Logan Wilson, he panned out. Look at him this year. So I'm kind of hoping we're getting another nice Wyoming linebacker. I know. Uh, Wyoming has suddenly turned into the linebacker factory uh, for uh, NFL LBs. So, what I like here, I'm with you. The name, fantastic. Looking at it, M-U-M-A, I would have just taken a stab with Mama, which would have been like how my son would pronounce mummy if I tried to explain to him what a mummy was. So all in on that. This just looks like looking at his pictures like a, a you know, like a farm boy, like a kid yeah, who grow blue up. Collar, toss, just... Yeah, blue collar, tossing like bales of hay around on the farm, driving the tractor. He's like, He's country bro, country boy strong. You know, he's farm strong. And yeah. so with the pedigree that we know these Wyoming linebackers have with Logan Wilson, who has been, I must say, dynamite for my playoff mm. uh, fantasy team, absolutely showing up and showing out mm -hmm. uh, for the squad. So much love to Logan Wilson. Uh, but you actually have another player comp here for uh, Chad that is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Demario Davis. So Demario Davis is kind of a guy who never gets love and he's always like a top 10 linebacker. He's a guy, he's always around the football. He's his biggest knock was his coverage skills, but his past two years, he's been phenomenal in coverage. It's like the man's in his thirties and he's getting better in coverage. So he's just, he's that high level IQ guy and he's a very sound tackler. And that's, that's, that's Muma. That's it. Love it. Give me Mo Muma, please, if we are getting the mm -hmm. Demario Davis comp. So I have to ask you, when you're comping players, are you looking at essentially like best case scenario, this is the kind of career arc and skill set and talent on the field that I could see this player having? 
that's what I kind of try to go with. I, I want to try to keep it level and say who they're closest to, but I also want to hit their their ceiling as well because it's like I don't want to compare him to this guy because this is what he is now, but I want to show you what he has a very good chance of becoming. I love that. That's a good way to do it. Do you factor in um, the kind of athletic measurables at all, like height, yes. weight, speed? Okay, so you factor that yep. in for your comps as well. Yep. Excellent. So good stuff. So Mr. Muma is comping to Demario Davis, and I love this because you've got him landing with a very linebacker needy team outside of the Texans, maybe the most linebacker needy team in the NFL. Where could you see Mr. Uh, Muma making a big difference? Detroit Lions. So you don't need to say anything else. What else needs to be said? Enough said. Dead. Yeah. Like I, I go back to what John Macri famously said about Alex Anzalone. Hopefully he's good at something because he's not good at football. <laughs> and that I believe was their leading linebacker on the season. So that tells yep. you all you need to know about the Detroit linebackers. Um, and so impact. We've got instant impact with Mr. Hamilton. We've got a sophomore impact with Mr. Johnson. Mr. Muma, what kind of impact do you see him making for IDP? I think uh, depending on his landing spot, as long as he lands in the place where they they need linebackers, I think he can make an instant impact because he's going to be a guy that's just going to rack up tackles like crazy. He might not get the the big plays, but he's going to be a he'll be your high floor linebacker. He'll be I can see him easily having 100 tackles as a rookie. Well, and if he goes to a team like the Lions, you hope, right? Because we've right. had this hope before with linebackers in Detroit, and it hasn't quite panned out the way that we had hoped. But if they take Muma high in the draft and he has that draft capital for a rebuilding team and he's one of Dan Campbell's handpicked guys, mm-hmm. you would hope that maybe he would fare a little better than some of these linebackers we've fallen in love with that have landed in Detroit. But let's talk about the next. Go ahead. And I could definitely see him and Dan Campbell being a match made in heaven. There you go. Just talking about farm stuff, just, you know, being strong together in the weight room and throwing in big dips. I mean, (laughs) I I just, you know, just absolute hog nut lippers. Like, let's let's ride (laughs) like Muma and uh, Dan Campbell, both fans of lippers. If I had to uh, take a stab at that so let's move to the next linebacker on your list and this is actually one of the players whose names i recognize mainly because i was trying to pay attention during the uh, (laughs) national title game to see like okay who might some of these guys be because it was a defensive slog so the defensive players were getting a lot of love and uh, i'm curious why this guy uh grabbed your attention as you were watching him who's the next one on your list uh, Nicobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. So he's probably the best cover linebacker, zone and man, together in the draft. I think he had something of, uh, it was like a quarterback rating of like 47 when targeted in college this past year. Don't quote me on that. I know it was incredibly low. I'm pretty sure it was in the 40s, but I think it was 47% or 47 quarterback rating when targeted. That's phenomenal for a linebacker. Uh, he's super explosive. Uh, he's rangy. He's got sideline to sideline speed, good play diagnosis, great tackler, packs a serious punch in his tackling. He's a little undersized. He's only six foot two twenty five, but you would not know that in watching him hit. And he's a gap filler. He he shoots gaps. He he understands defense. He'll call you a place. He's going to be a guy who's probably going to wear a dot in the NFL. 
And he's just he's just a guy I'm really excited to watch. And I, I hope he lands in a spot where he can command a defense. This seems like one of those locked and loaded IDP studs, Joey. Yeah. I, I mean, before this season, I honestly didn't know that much about him. But watching him over the season, it's just like game in, game out. It's just the man's a stud. Yeah, I love it. And you were actually being a little unfair on the QB rating. So when targeted, N'Kobe Dean had an outstanding 30.7 QB rating when targeted in coverage. So like you said, absolutely outstanding. And that's the kind of linebackers that you need in the modern NFL, right? These guys Mm -hmm. that can do that kind of robot technique where they go forward and then kind of robot back to cover these players you know, coming out of the backfield. So, and looking at your player comp, what I love is that you are showing that Nicobe Dean is not just going to be one of these so, so mediocre players that's going to rack up stats on a bad team with this player comp here, Joey, you're saying, no, this guy has the potential to be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fred Warner. I think his game mirrors a lot of what Fred Warner does. So Fred Warner came into the league too, was slightly undersized. He was a former safety. And uh, I mean, Dean's coverage skill, Fred Warner is one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. So their skill set right there mirrors each other quite well. And it's just Fred Warner is just, he's just fiery. He's just all over the place. He's a guy that's always making plays. And Dean is that kind of guy. Yeah, I love that. But like we said, this is this is the kind of linebacker that you need. And we mentioned earlier when we were talking about linebacker needy teams, besides the Lions, there was another squad that good lord did they need some LBs. Oh, Who do you, where could you see this guy landing and having a, an immediate impact? Uh Houston Texans. Their linebacker group is just ooh, gives me the chills. Ruger Hill, Neville Hewitt, Christian Kirksey. I wouldn't be surprised if they were all gone next year. Yeah, this was a team of rentals. Mm-hmm. When you looked at some of the guys they were bringing in, it was very clear they were one year, usually veteran minimum contracts. This was just a turn the page type of season for the Texans. They bring in David Culley to be the fall guy. They sign a whole bunch of trash off the street and just say, get us through. We're going to be competitive. Check back in around like 2024. Like let us feel bad for Cully too. He did a pretty darn good job. He did. I would have been honestly shocked if they had brought him back for a second season because of the new England connection with Casario. I think it is inevitable that either Josh McDaniels or Brian Flores lands this job in Houston. And especially yep. once Flores became available, because remember they, they fired Cully late. He was yeah. actually the last coach to get fired. And I don't know. I think the B- Brian Flores becoming available suddenly uh, was, like, was, that's my, guy. yeah. Yeah. So that is that was a dog whistle to me of like, oh, I don't think Cully is long for this world. So I don't know. The defense in Miami always overachieved. Uh, we saw Jerome Baker be an impactful IDP asset over there. So if Flores does land in Houston and Nicobe Dean lands there as well in a talent deprived linebacking room, uh, I love his chances to be an instant impact type of player. And it looks like you do as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't see. Honestly, I could see him land anywhere and be an instant impact. I don't think there's many 
players, like even if he came in as like the number two linebacker on a team, he's still going to make an impact. So, you know, the gold standard for rookie linebacker seasons, I think you have to look at Darius Leonard, Roquan mm-hmm. Smith from recent history, right? So give me, okay, let's not put that kind of pressure on him, but let's say he gives you 80% of Darius Leonard's rookie season. What do you think the odds are that he can hit that kind of ceiling, assuming he lands in a spot where he gets to start day one? Oh, I could definitely see it because they're going to ask him to do everything. He's going to he's going to have to drop in coverage. He's going to be the only guy there tackling. I I think Dean's he's a guy who's especially with seven seventeen games now. He's going to be like a hundred and twenty tackle guy his rookie season. I think no problem. I love that because we talked about this in the last episode, and it's sort of a double lesson learned for me was. Fade linebackers go defensive ends early in Mm -hmm. startup drafts and then don't trust the rookies expect them to bust. So I have to like remind myself of these two lessons whenever I'm staring down to Kobe Dean at the end of the second round of my rookie drafts beginning of the third. I've got Kyle B in my ear saying, hey, Josh, to Kobe Dean still there. We know he landed in Houston. He's got the (laughs) dot. I'm like, Kyle, no, we can't do this. Um, but I'll be, I'll, I don't know. I don't know. I'll just be very curious. It seems like he, is he at the top of the linebacker mountain right now? Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be him. And then this next guy we're going to talk about, he's very close to me. I think I'm, I might be a little higher on him than a lot of people, but I, I Dean is the LB one in this draft. And I don't think it's going to change. I think okay. it's just, it's going to be him. Good to know. Well, let's get to this last guy here. This is a linebacker from the team that Georgia actually played in the national championship game, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Who is our final player uh, for tonight's segment? Uh, Christian Harris. Uh, so he it's he had a great freshman and sophomore season, and then this season he actually had an even better season, but he kind of got overshadowed because, um, what's his name? I think it's Will Anderson for Alabama is an absolute beast and just took over that defense and Christian Harris just kind of got overshadowed a little bit, but he still had his best season as a collegiate player. So he's got fantastic cover skills. Uh, He's, he's another guy who is a, he shoots gaps violently. He tackles well, he's got very fluid hips for a linebacker. He can change direction on the dime, Uh, good lateral agility, He's a fantastic blitzer, which we saw in the championship game. I think he had seven tackles and three sacks in the championship game alone. So he's he's a guy who who can get at the quarterback if you need him to. He can cover. He can. He's great in run defense. He doesn't miss many tackles. So Harris is another guy who is very high up there for me. I think he's a potential possible late first, but most likely a second round talent. Uh, this sounds- is NFL draft talent. Yeah, that sounds like a recipe for IDP gold right there mm-hmm. because a lot of those second and third round guys, especially linebackers, uh, can step into really profitable roles. It's not yeah. like other positions where once you get past the first round, the luster really comes off for you know rookie drafts, especially in IDP leagues. So let me ask you a question because I hear this term used a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think I know what it means, but I want to get your take on it. Fluid hips. I know that sounds like something I would really like because you can ask my chiropractor, my hips 
are very stiff. So I'm curious when you describe a guy as having fluid hips, what does that mean to you? All right. So if you watch uh defensive backs, they, whenever the play starts, they almost start in pedal. So they're going backwards. And then when they turn to pursue, they have to turn. And if your, your hips are stiff, you're going to fall behind. A lot of these guys, it's literally like a flip. So their hips, it's just, there's no loss of movement. It's just, it's smooth transition from pedal to pursuit. And it's just a lot of DBs have it. It's tough to find linebackers with it, but when they can, they can flip their hips and just keep going to pursuit without losing a step. That's a, that's a big thing for me, especially coming from a linebacker. I mean, who's 235, 240 pounds. So if I can watch them start and pedal and then transition to pursue with little loss movement, that's, that's a big thing. That sounds like a nice trait to have. I think yeah. I'd have to be like the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz and Same. get the oil can to have the fluid hips at this age. Especially, but, yeah, uh, I was going to say at this age, definitely. <laughs> maybe in our younger years, maybe when I was playing middle school football, I had right. more fluid hips, but not now, not at not at thirty four years old. So, nope. I love this player comp. This is another linebacker that I think has been criminally underrated his entire career, unless of course. So you're John Macri, and then uh, he's one of your favorite players in the NFL, let alone for IDP. Who is the comp that you had for Mr. Uh, Mr. Christian Harris? Levante David. So another guy, he's one of your better coverage linebackers in the NFL, but he he does everything you need him to do. Like you ask him to, to blitz, he's going to blitz. You ask him to cover, he's going to cover. You need him to make a tackle, he's going to make the tackle. So he's just a guy who... You need him to do something, you tell him to do it, and he's going to do it because he does everything well. So David, I have loved David since a rookie. He's just, he does everything well. He might not have anything that he's perfect at, but who does? He he's literally doesn't have one deficiency. He just does everything well. Yeah, and I love your landing spot. We're actually going back to one of the teams that we've mentioned already. So if you were paying attention this landing spot Mike might make sense for you. Where would you like to see him land? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that would be a night nice, if if they end up with a second round pick. I don't know what they're going to end up doing trade wise, but if they can get him in the second round and and match him up with T.J. Edwards, I mean T.J. Edwards. I take anything away from him, but he's just kind of your tackle guy. He's a little too unathletic to to keep up with tight ends and whatnot. He's not a cover guy by any means. You don't want him chasing running backs out of the backfield. You want him to just play middle linebacker and stay at middle linebacker. You could have Harris come in and play weak side, and he would pair very nicely with TJ Edwards. Yes, I love that. TJ Edwards, nice season for IDP. Mm-hmm. Don't think necessarily that this is a piece that the Eagles are hell-bent on building around. I think if no. they had the chance to stock the pantry when it comes to linebackers in the draft, they would do so. Uh, right. So yeah. Edwards was kind of a pleasant surprise for him this year, yes. I think. That's a great way to put it. He was a pleasant surprise, but those are players I don't hold too tightly to in fantasy because I don't think their teams are holding that tightly to them, especially when they have opportunities to upgrade that position through the draft and free agency. So uh, IDP impact, assuming that Christian Harris lands in a good spot. Should we expect big things in year one? 
Yes, sir. I think Christian Harris, he's, he's got that ability. He's going to be an every down linebacker. He's going to be a guy who's going to play from week one. He's, I am a huge fan of Christian Harris. Love it. Well, this has been enlightening tonight, Joey. Like I said, guys, it's never too early to get started on your 2022 rookie research. And Joey, I really appreciate you coming on tonight on short notice and uh, talking to us about some of your favorite prospects, man. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. I always enjoy coming on the show. You guys are great. And I would like to apologize. I don't know if you could hear it or not, but I literally have a two kitten wrestling match going on behind me. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. We got our daughter two kittens for Christmas this year. It was supposed to be one. When we got there, we ended up leaving with two. That's how it goes. And dear, they are just beating the crap out of each other back here. That's what they do. <laughs> I've always joked with people. We we consciously and purposefully bought one dog and then we impulse bought the other two. So mm-hmm. they still, even at their advanced age, love to dance and oh fight and hump each other. So yep. it's uh it's just nonstop madness. That's why I'm glad I get to be out here in the shack away from uh, the animals they're uh, I'm sure inside sleeping right now. So, uh, but Joey, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, make sure folks that you're subscribed over at the IDP show.com. We are actually sending out some of Joey's initial thoughts on this uh, group of prospects for the 2022 NFL draft uh, through our newsletter. So subscribe over there for free. The IDP show.com Joey, you had some big news pop up here in the past week a pretty cool opportunity came your way yeah yeah i just signed on writing with uh yukon si so uh i live literally like five minutes off of the yukon campus and stores and uh they've uh they just signed jim mora to be their coach former nfl coach jim mora so that's a big deal for them because what he's been able to do is actually get them some pretty decent recruits i mean the biggest problem for yukon has been the quarterback position. Ever since Dan Arlovsky went to the NFL, they have just been barren at quarterback. And they just landed a four-star, a former four-star recruit transfer from Penn State, uh, former Oregon uh, three-star recruit, Cale Millen. He's just transferred to UConn. And then they just signed a freshman three-star out of Florida quarterback to all compete for with each other who had turned down offers from LSU uh, Miami, um, a bunch of teams just to go play for UConn. So it's like, I was looking around. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to see what's going on here. So I just got in, t- in contact with a couple guys and said, hey, uh, I'm interested in writing some uh, some articles for the UConn football team. They're like, yeah, we, we need to get as many eyes as possible. We can out here. So I signed on and within the past week and a half, I got three articles out and it's been a blast. Love it. Well, be sure to go follow Joey on Twitter. Joey, I believe the handle is uh, Joey the Tooth IDP. Is that right? So go follow Joey. I've been seeing the articles pop through. Uh, If you're a fan of Joey and his writing or a fan of UConn football or Lord, if you're a fan of both, what are you doing? Pause this episode. Go follow Joey. Check out his articles and, and come back. We'll be right here when you get back. But Joey, before we sign off, from one writer to another, you can see if you're watching the video, my book cover here to my left, you're uh, working on another project that is very exciting. Yeah, this was uh, kind of the reason I decided to take some time off writing uh, some fantasy football content. I actually started writing a book. 
I, uh, I actually, I wrote a children's book about a year ago for my daughter. I, I just, I never, I haven't gotten it published or anything yet, but I, I went through and I just did a, an ABC book for my daughter, just, just kind of off the top of my head. And I thought it was cool as heck. So I was going through, I, I kind of got worn down with fantasy football, but I love writing. And I was like, I, I actually read both of Josh's books and it kind of inspired me. I was like, you know what? This shit's kind of cool. I could probably take something like this and kind of run with it. It was the same kind of type of idea. And I just started going. I, I, I We did a an actual movie draft. Yeah, it came out of the movie draft. That's what I and, thought uh, was so cool. Yeah. And that's where it started. And I was going to actually write a book based off of our movie draft. But then I just took the characters from the movie that I made and I changed the entire plot and just made it an absolutely insane idea. But it's turning out really cool, and I'm probably I'm probably close to three quarters of the way done, maybe half to three quarters, and it's turning out fun as heck. Yeah, love that. Well, you know, you've been keeping us updated. I've been able to pop in the manuscript, and you've been sharing, you know, what's going on, what you've been writing. So from one writer to another, stay strong, man, because there will be times when you're in the valley and you're thinking, I'm never going to finish this thing, <laughs> but you will. And uh, when you do, I'll be here to help you get it out to the masses. So y'all look forward to that. Like I said, the IDP show.com joy, the tooth IDP on Twitter and stay tuned for his debut novel coming here very soon. So Joey, thanks again, my friend. I look forward to having you back on the show as we get deeper into draft season. This is your time to shine, man. Can't wait to have you back on to share some of your thoughts with us. Definitely. I appreciate it, man. Thank you again. Awesome. Well, thank you to our patrons and our listener league participants. We love and appreciate y'all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week. Hopefully Addie is off the COVID IR list. Bobby as well. We're hopeful to get them all back in the soda shack here very soon. We'll be doing a little buy sell hold with a very special guest. So make sure you tune in for that episode, but taking us home tonight is another song from Donnie McLowan called In the Winter, which is a very apt title for a song here in Bowling Green when it's 27 degrees outside. So uh, you can listen to all of Donnie's singles on Spotify and make sure to follow him over there and keep an eye out for his new music this year. So take it away, Donnie. Board the train this winter night Cold air locks my breath in tight Street light shines on sheets of ice I don't know if this is right If this is right 